So Matthew chapter 28 from verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in case anyone is not observant, we're now in 2015. 2014 has passed. Gone, it's, it's a memory now. And I'm sure we would all agree that 2014 has been an eventful year. It's been a year when we found ourselves on our knees giving thanks to God for different points. And it's been a year when we found ourselves on our knees in pain because of some of the difficulties that life dishes up. Life throws at us, things we just don't see coming that are all of a sudden upon us. It's been a year of many highs and many severe lows. But in all that we've witnessed a faithful God who stands solidly by our sides. It's perhaps been one of those years where you will find that there's something that's burned into your memory that will never be forgotten, be it good or be it bad. Certainly for myself, there's been a few of those. One of the high points, I think, for, for me was that night, many, many months ago now, when me and Karen sat in the old house and you guys were having a meeting up here, casting your votes about whether to call us or not. And me and Karen watching the clock. Um, like, they'll be meeting now. Karen tells me to shut up. <laughs> and waiting and waiting until the call comes through. That point where, yeah, you're certain in your heart about God's call on something, but you're never certain until something's actually confirmed. And that point when that call came, that will always be burned on my mind where I was at that point, what was said, and the joy of knowing that, yeah, that feeling we had was right. We're moving quite far, as it turns out. But one of the questions I've been asking, this is going to be our first calendar year together as fellowship and pastor. And I've been asking the question of God, what next for 2015? I don't believe we rest on our laurels or we just drift along. We've got to be purposeful. We've got to be prayerful. We've got to ask God the questions. What do you want of us in 2015? What do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to serve you and your kingdom? And this is something I've been praying for this year, especially as I went to the Baptist Union Assembly. At the assembly was one of those points when it really struck me that, oh dear, these, these people in this church actually want me to lead them. Oh no, what have you done, God? And I sat praying and asking God, okay God, this is where you've placed me, lead me. And help me to lead this church. And I really did feel God speaking to me in some very key areas as I sat under some great sermons, under some memorable for other reasons sermons. But I really did feel God speaking to me. 
And one of the questions I was always asking was, what should be our focus for this coming year? I don't believe God just wants us to come, sit in seats on a Sunday, and then just go away again, and it not really mean anything. God wants us to be purposeful. God wants us to be focused. God wants us to be ready to serve Him and His kingdom. And one of our big focuses and visions will be, until it's fulfilled, the building. It's always something that's on our hearts, and quite rightly so, and it's something we should be praying about because this is going to come through prayer, as Jim has reminded us, on several occasions. And it's our our vision in so many ways. It's our destination point in a very physical way. It's what we're waiting for God to provide. And it kind of reminds me a bit of Israel. Israel was in the wilderness when it was waiting. It was waiting for the promised land. It was waiting for God to lead them to that place where they were to set up a permanent base. We are kind of like that. We're not in a wilderness in the sense that we have disobeyed God and only the children are going to get there. But we are waiting. We're waiting for God to lead us to that. And we can use the phrase, the promised land, because there is land set aside for this function, for the kingdom of God land that God has chosen. A place where he has commissioned for light to shine from, to give hope to this community. A place, a plot, whatever it is, that's to be different in the midst of a world that needs all those things so badly. That place is there. We're the ones waiting to find it. We will find it primarily through prayer. It is my hope and my prayer that in 2015 we see breakthrough in this area. And that's why I'm talking about prayer a lot, because breakthrough comes primarily through prayer. So we're not wrestling only against flesh and blood, folks. We're wrestling against the things that we can't see as well. My prayer is that in 2015 we do do see breakthrough. We see God clearly leading us forward towards that place that he has set apart for us to use to serve his kingdom. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have things that he wants us to focus on now as well. We must, unlike Israel as it waited, ensure that we follow the leading of God and his call upon our lives for this coming year as well as in the future. And this brings me to Matthew 28. Now Matthew chapter 28, this is the Great Commission is the call of the church. The call of every Christian is to go and make disciples in every nation. It's the Great Commission, the one thing, the one call, the one command that lies upon all of our shoulders. There is no person that we can sit apart and say, you can go and do that while the rest of us don't. It lies upon each and every one of us. And as I've been praying to God and asking for him to lead me, this has very much became a focus for me. One of the things that's been going around my head a lot in the last six months is evangelism. How we reach out to those who don't know Jesus Christ. And as I've chatted with many different people, people have been speaking about how they've been praying for workers, harvesters. God has been sending people to this church. As Malcolm said, 
Many years ago, there wasn't many people here. Look around you this morning. Look around. There's a lot of people here this morning. God has answered that prayer. God has filled this this room to the extent sometimes we actually have a health and safety problem. But God's not just sending people here so that we can sit on a Sunday and feel good about the fact that our numbers are growing. God is sending people here because he has a purpose in mind. He has tasks for us to do. This is why he's answering that prayer. And one of the things I believe God is sending people here for is that we are the harvesters. We are the ones that are to go out, listen to the Great Commission, and begin to seek to proclaim the hope that each of us have. One of the things that really reinforced this for me was those frontline DVDs. I don't know how many of you go to the house groups, but those frontline DVDs really reinforced this fact that God is commanding each of us to go into all our life. Not just the parts that seem churchy, but the whole of life as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And look for those moments that God has set apart where we can speak about the hope that we have. So what I'm presenting this morning, and I've chatted with the deacons about this, and it's almost an invitation to each and every one of us. An invitation that we take seriously the Great Commission. That we're purposeful about taking that command of Jesus Christ seriously. An invitation where we heed the advice of those frontline DVDs and begin to explore not only when God ordains those moments to speak, but also ask the question, am I being equipped to speak by my church? We all know the scripture says the Holy Spirit will ultimately give us an answer for the hope that we have. But that doesn't mean that we are then lax about looking, reflecting, considering deeply the hope that we have and preparing ourselves to express it. There's been a whole Christian focus for millennia now on apologetics, which is doing exactly that. It's declaring the hope that we have in different contexts, be it against a certain heresy, or just in general expressing the hope that we have against various different means and events. Do we have an answer for the hope that is within us. If, say tomorrow morning, we're sitting drinking coffee with our friend and God suddenly ordains that moment where we are then asked to give in a coherent and sensible way an expression of the hope that is in us, are we prepared? Can we do it? Or would we end up a bit of a blabbering mess and it all get a bit silly? So it's an invitation where we make this a focus. That in 2015, I was about to say 2014 there, but that's past. Our prayer that we will be, that we will see, sorry, the greatest miracle of them all. And that is people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Redemption of the lost. People coming to know Christ. A year when we can look to proclaim that in a variety of different ways. And not simply to boost our numbers. By being primarily led 
or exclusively led, should I say, by God, that people are pulled from the kingdom of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of light. That is our primary call. And these verses have very much been challenging me on this. And I want to encourage all of us to grasp hold of them. This is the call of every Christian to go forth and make disciples. It's a primary mission. Yet these verses here that we see, they begin with something, or certainly from the point we're picking up, they begin with something vitally important, that Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth now lies with him. There is no name that is above his. No authority that can usurp him. His name is above all other names. The most powerful. And we've actually just sang that. There is power in the name of Jesus. We sang it. And I think we sang it with some conviction. But do we believe it? Do we believe that that name that we call out to, the name that is above every other name, carries that kind of power? That when we pray in the name of Jesus, things actually happen. What Jesus is saying here is they will. Because when we call out in the name of Jesus and our will and God's will match, things will happen. We will see things that we would not expect to see. True authority, ultimate authority, spiritual authority lies with Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we get a bit used to our five senses and we forget that beyond them is a spiritual realm. One which we can't see, we can't taste, we can't touch, we can't hear, we can't feel. But it's there. And it's just as real as any that we can perceive with those senses. And the reality is that in that spiritual realm, we know there's a battle going on. A battle between good and evil. A battle between light and darkness. A battle between God and the devil. So when Jesus says all authority now lies with him, what I don't think Jesus is saying is he now gets to sit on his throne and micromanage things. What Jesus is saying is that in the spiritual battle that is going on, his name is the name above all other names. That when we as Christians call upon the name of Jesus Christ, we're calling upon a name that nothing in the kingdom of darkness can resist ultimately. The name that can tear down foundations. The name that can pull down even empires. The name above every other name. All authority on heaven and on earth lies with Jesus Christ. When we pray, we're praying to the one person, the one God that can make a fundamental difference in any and in every situation because there is nothing nor no one that has a greater authority. This is what Jesus is saying. He has fundamentally and completely won that battle with the enemy. Light will triumph over darkness. Good will defeat evil. God has defeated the enemy. This is set in stone. There is no if, no but, no maybe about it. Jesus accomplished that. 
He did it on the cross. But in the meantime, the defeated enemy remains brutal, vile, and probably in denial. I'm sure he still has the pride to think that he can somehow turn those tables around. But when Jesus says he has all authority, what he's telling his church, what he's telling them back then, what he's telling us now, is that he has bound and defeated the enemy. The name that we call upon is the name above all names. And what that means in complete reality is that there is always hope in every and any situation. Very simplistically, because we call out to the name that is above all names. And how this challenged me, and how I'm going to pass that challenge along, is do we do that enough? One of the things Jesus teaches is persistence in prayer. Jesus' parables about prayer are quite remarkable. He talks about persistence, almost harassing the Father. Speaks about how even a bad father would give their child something if they got harassed enough. But our Heavenly Father is a good father and will give us all good things. Are we persistent in our prayer? Are we half-hearted? Are we expectant? When we pray, do we actually think something will happen or is it a tick box? There we go, I've done that. I've said I'll pray for them, I've done it. Now I can move on. What do we expect to happen when we pray, when we begin engaging in that spiritual battle? Do we expect to see victory? Do we expect to see Jesus' name? Do exactly what Jesus says will happen. Be the final authority. Part of me wonders if we did have such a high view of prayer, would our prayer meetings be better attended? Would more of us be there if we truly grasped that when we corporately prayer and the prayer meetings and the house groups and all these different places, that when we're doing that, we are actually engaging in the realm where we can truly make a difference. When we call upon the name above every name, when we express the fact that any, in any situation there is hope because Jesus has the final authority. It doesn't mean things are always going to work out how we would like But there is hope. We're praying to the name above every name. We're praying to the powerful and victorious God. And ultimately we're praying his kingdom come. For we are battling against that kingdom of darkness. And it strikes me that if we want to take evangelism seriously, if we want to take reaching out to our friends seriously, if we want to take what the frontline DVDs have taught us seriously, it must start with prayer and the recognition that the final authority lies with Jesus Christ. It must start with that prayer for the person that we're going to meet, that we're going to talk to, the people we're going to encounter at work. It doesn't start with us. Starts with God and seeking for his power and strength. It's in prayer that we gain the sensitivity to the Spirit to actually learn when he's prompting us and when he's telling us to wish. Because there will be times that the Spirit says, no, 
Now's not the time for you to try and ram the gospel down somebody's throat. There are moments when it's not appropriate to do that. But it's there that we cry out for God to move, for God to create the opportunities, for him to work, to produce that greatest miracle of them all. The reality is, it's not our words that make Christians. It's the Holy Spirit. We can have all the clever words we want, but we need to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit is saying, speak, and when the Holy Spirit is saying, no, just keep quiet. Be with that person, be a friend. That call to go, to proclaim, to speak. And the focus is into all the world. And for me, that means every part of our lives. One of the things I think that the church in general has made the mistake of doing is saying, okay, God says go into all the world, so we'll get some missionaries, send them overseas, and job done. But the call is on each of us, and to every part of our lives, and to all our world, whatever that world might be for us. And it's no, and it will as a small world go, yet when Jesus says it here, it demands the whole of our lives. We can often read this and think, yeah, that's for missionaries, we're off the hook. But the reality is it's equally and as much for us as well. Yes, it's true, there are people that God will set apart, equip and gift to send them overseas to serve their part in fulfilling the Great Commission. And to them, I admire them greatly because I am very comfortable in Scotland and I do not want to go overseas where there are hideous bugs and horrible weather and all those things. I like Scotland as long as I've got central heating. (laughs) But that's not the exclusive focus. The exclusive focus is to every single one of us. We learn that and we've been reminded of that in those frontline DVDs. We are a sent people. Sent into all and every part of our lives. Never of duty as citizens of the kingdom of God. A people who God may ask at any point, in any situation, to speak to somebody about the hope that we have within us. And it's a command to go not just to those churchy events, not just when it might be clear that there's an opportunity to speak about the gospel. It's into every part of our lives. There is no sacred, secular divide. Indeed, if you even studied what church meant, church is every single part of our lives. It's not just a Sunday morning. But we're commanded to go into all our worlds. There is no place that we are called not to take the gospel. We have to take it when we go to the coffee shops, when we go on the trips to nursery, when we go to work, even when we go to football matches. We can't maybe abuse the players as much as we might like, or the referee. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, we are there as a sent person of the one in whom all authority lies. You know, you talk about being on call. One of the things I've learned is I'm now on call 24-7. It's interesting. But guess what? So are all you guys. These are on call all the time by the God of the universe 
to at any point speak about the hope that you have within you. There is no point where you are off duty. Are we ready to proclaim the hope that is within us? And please don't misunderstand me, and I feel I have to add this as a qualifier. What I am not saying is become become those kind of special Christians that people appreciate so much, where we force the gospel down their throat at any opportunity, where we manage to turn any conversation to God. That's not what I'm encouraging us to do. We will know that people very quickly stop listening if we take that tact. I don't want us to become those kind of Christians that close off our ears to listen to others whilst turning our mouth up to maximum speakage. That's not what I'm encouraging any of us to become. But what I want us to become is aware that we are called and sent by God. There is a saying that I've heard often that is, always preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. How we live how we act, how we behave, these will be the things that speak first. And often these will be the things that speak loudest. These will be where people recognise authenticity, where people identify hypocrisy, where people decide if we're worth listening to or whether, we're better, or whether they're better off dismissing us. How we live and act speaks louder than the words we say. But what we should be looking for And what we should be praying for in our interactions with other people who are in our world is that God would set apart opportunities for us to speak to them. Not that we force them. This isn't on us, it's on God. Our role in this is to be, I think, prepared and to be expectant. There will be times that God will set apart for us to speak to others about the hope that we have and we will have all experienced those moments when that happens. Sometimes those are moments where we think I really don't want to talk about this right now, I'm not in the mood. Sometimes those moments we just think wow, I cannot believe that just happened. But God will set apart those moments. Our aim, I believe, should be Praying for the people that we will meet. Praying that they will come to know Jesus, obviously. But praying and loving them in our prayers in general. Praying for the best for them. The truth is, if we go into any meeting with another person determined that we're going to drive the conversation towards God, then the reality is we're trying to do it in our own power. As I've already said, we don't make Christians. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. So my encouragement to us all is that command to go. Let's grasp it in this coming year. To focus on it in this coming year. Learning to seek God in prayer. His name is above every name. Prayer for his world. Prayer for the people that we encounter in our worlds. And seeking those God-ordained moments where we can speak to others about the hope that we have. That is my hope for us in this coming year. And part of what I'm going to do up front when it comes to preaching is going to focus in on that in this coming year. 
My hope is that very soon we can begin to explore the book of Acts, one of the most remarkable books when it comes to God's movement and how God engaged with his world. But I also want to throw this out there. I'm sending an invitation that we take the Great Commission seriously. What I want is for you guys to take that and think, well, how can Ellen Baptist Church equip me in my walk with God and where God sends me to to be ready to give a hope an answer for the hope that is within me and if you have suggestions or ideas about how you can be equipped or how we can look to do that then please catch me or one of the deacons and say we're all in this boat together the great commission includes every Christian but there is also that call to be prepared to have an answer for the hope that we have and it's as much my desire that in this coming year we as a fellowship can learn and discover new ways to equip and encourage one another in this area and as we seek those God ordained moments that we will see those we pray for become Christians not for the egotistical reason that we have more bums on seats but because we see people journey from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And if we can see that in this coming year, wouldn't that be awesome? The biggest miracle of them all, people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we might just be the ones that get the privilege of joining them on that journey as they serve Jesus Christ on this earth. So it's an invitation. Let's grasp hold of that call that God's placed on every single one of our lives. Let's purposefully take it seriously. And let's see what God does when we seek to obey the command that's upon us all. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you first and above all for the closing part of these verses which says, Behold, you are with us always, even to the end of the age. Lord, I thank you that anything we do for you, we do with you by our sides. We do in your strength. And Lord, I do pray that in this coming year, Father, we will be able to impact Ellen in so many different ways. But Lord, especially in that way of people being pulled from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, help us to know when your spirit says speak and when your spirit says be silent. And Lord, help us to equip and encourage one another to have an answer for the hope that is in us. And Lord, may we always remember as we go into this coming year that the God that we pray to is the one in whom final authority lies. We do not call out to a weak or defeated God, but a victorious and all-powerful God. So may we know and may we remember, Lord, in this coming year, that when we pray, Lord, you can do amazing things. Give us expectation and hope, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>